You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Hides folders in the stall Throws ketchup against the wall And then he has the gall to cry witch hunt Master at self-projectioning He planned the insurrectioning Then tried to rig electioning too it's a witch hunt, always witch hunt, or he croaks, it's a hoax, or that is not true. While minions pin their hopes on him, he thinks we're all just dopes like him, and yells it's rigged as if it's on cue. It's such a well-worn pitch From the fascist despot niche He could try to stage another coup Says witch hunt, a crazy witch hunt, and that is the line he chooses to spew. Once you arouse the fear in him, the crazy stunts appear in him, he doesn't seem to know what to do. Witch hunts a trumpy myth Wait till he meets Jack Smith oh, yeah. And justice drops the other shoe I think that's it. Is that it? That's it. Uh, Don Karen and the Parody Project. The lyrics on that one were just perfect. Uh, witch hunt. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to a, what's today? Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Oh, boy. Well, but but what a week this is. Oh, my goodness. You know, um, Friday, Digby was supposed to be here. And I wound up canceling the show at the last minute because the Microsoft goons messed up my computer with a, a last minute update. And But you know what? Things happen for a reason. And today 
is the day Digby will be here. And it's a good thing because there's so much to talk about. Um, Target letter from Jack Smith, who was name-checked in that song, um, telling the former guy that he is a Target in the January 6th uh, thing. Um, We had uh, that New York Times story this weekend that shows Trump... And the Republican Party, such as it is, plans should they take back the White House. And it basically, you know, they're saying the quiet part out loud. It's bye-bye democracy. Hello, dictatorship. Now, they got the dick part down good. But, you know, uh, the rest of it, not so much. So uh, there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. So today's a great day um, for uh, <laughs> for for. Um, uh, for Digby to be here, and she'll join us in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to tell you what's happening tomorrow. Now, earlier in the week, remember, I, I uh, uh, earlier in the week, it's only been two days. So I guess it was yesterday, or maybe it was, I guess it was yesterday. I played for you, I'm so confused. I played for you some clips. Uh, maybe it was last week before I left, because I knew it was coming. I just didn't know what day. Um, then I touched base with my old friend, Dave Jolliffe. Now, Dave Jolliffe, who I met through Bill Moomy, um, Danger Will Robinson, Bill Moomy, uh, some 30-odd years ago, um, they were in a band together called The Generators. It was Moomy, Dave Jolliffe, Miguel Ferrer, the late, great Miguel Ferrer, and, and a few other guys. Um, and they, they were friends of the Mark and Brian show that I produced. And we became actual friends. Um, and I've stayed in touch with Mumi all these years. I lost touch with Dave Jolliffe, although, you know, I would see him on Twitter. He followed me on Twitter and, you know, we, we sort of traded a few words here and there, but we hadn't really spoken until I got wind of this pending SAG-AFTRA strike. And I figured I looked on the SAG-AFTRA website to see who was in the executive committee that I knew, because I know a lot of people. Um, and sure enough, there's David Jolliffe's name. And it, not only is he part of the, the you know, the, the leadership, but he is part of the, like, the negotiating committee or whatever. And so I, I direct messaged him on Twitter. And then we picked up, like, we never skipped a beat. So he's coming on. Uh, he promised he would come on the show to talk about, you know, this was, again, last week. He said, well, let's get through the weekend and um, see, you know, how it all shakes out. And, of course, they overwhelmingly voted to strike. And um, so on Monday, he said, well, let's do it Wednesday. So I, I booked David Jolliffe, and he said, now can I bring some friends and bring whoever you want? Um, so David Jolliffe is bringing two of his friends. So first he had sent me this photograph um, that uh, I'm going to put up on the screen here. Um, and And remember, I showed it last week, and I said – those the two women on either side of Dave, who was the the man with the big white beard, looks sort of like Santa Claus. I said, but the woman they look familiar. I can't place them. The one on the left is Jolie Fisher. Um, the other the, the other brunette, I'm not quite sure. But the the one on the right, I knew in an instant. That's Frances Fisher. She's been in many. I believe she was married to Clint Eastwood at one time. Which I don't care, but but whatever. Um, so uh, so he tells me last night Francis Fisher is in. I'm like, oh cool, cool. Francis Fisher is coming. So um, and then just a little while ago, he texted me that Sean Astin, Sean Astin is joining us too. The, we're talking royalty here. Sean Astin, first of all, was Rudy. Hello. Um, <laughs> which if you've never seen the movie Rudy. You find it. It's got to be online somewhere tonight. It is the most heartwarmingly wonderful movie. And I am not a sports person. It's, it's a football film, but it's, a, it's so much more than that. So ever since I saw the movie Rudy a million years ago, I was in love with Sean Astin. Doesn't hurt that his mother was Patty Duke. Patty Duke, who I grew up with. The Patty Duke show, Cousins, Identical Cousins. It, it was a ridiculous premise. Patty Duke played Patty and, oh, what, Kathy, I think. I think Kathy was the cousin's name. Patty was the daughter of the American, and Kathy was a cousin, and they were identical. And one of them was, you know, loose and cool, and the other one was very uptight. I mean, this is shows that I grew up with. Patty Duke and John Astin, his father. 
was Gomez on the Adams family. Yes, the original Gomez Adams. And if you watched the the the, the series Wednesday, they had a totally different Gomez. And it's just all I could think of was John Aston. So anyway, um, yeah. So so we have Dave Jolliffe, who again played um, Bernie in Room Two Twenty Two. Here here's a photograph of, of Dave Jolliffe then, and uh, and Dave Jolliffe now has you know the big red fro just turned into a big white beard. <laughs> um, so Dave Jolliffe, Francis Fisher. Francis fucking Fisher and Sean Astin. So they will be with us for the whole hour tomorrow. Yes, we will have fun. However, they will, you know, tell us what this strike is all about because a lot of people don't get it. And if you peruse the social medias, you, um, um, yeah, no, Di- Diane is talking about it, Apparently Sean Astin was not, uh, uh, John Aston was not Sean's biological father. Patty Duke was married to another man for like five days or something. Because back then you got married before you fucked. Who who knew? And and apparently that man, whose name I can't remember, fathered him. And what Sean says is, John Aston was my father. This other guy was my biological father. So he's still Aston. He's still, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, that's what I get for looking at the chat room in mid in mid-sentence. Anyway, so that's going to be um, tomorrow. So they're, they're going to be here the whole hour. They'll talk about really what's at stake here on the strike because all three of them were um, uh, are on the committee, the executive committee of, uh, of, of, of SAG-AFTRA. Dar is a little late. So Dar's in the chat room. It says Sean Astin was in the movie Rudy. Dar, I opened up saying... That was when I, how I was first introduced to Sean Astin. Rudy, it's like one of the best movies ever. Like, the best. And yes, we were talking about The Addams Family. He was Gomez. Okay, so enough of that. Tomorrow, we will do that. Um, uh, Thursday, we have Howie Klein. And then Friday, yes, and he was also in Lord of the Rings. Sean Adams, Sean Astin was also in Lord, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, he was one of the, I believe he was a hobbit. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a bit uh, too messing. So, um yeah, so it'll be fun. I promise it'll be fun. What 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 Dave said to me. I'll read you his last text after he told me Sean was going to be joining them. He said, um uh da, 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 da. Oh, where where is he? Oh, okay. Nope. He said oh, um uh, da, 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 da. he said with us three, good luck getting a word in. And then a few, you know, emoji funny faces. So we will, we will have fun. Um, and uh, yes, looking forward. And I'm looking forward to catching up with David Jolliffe because honestly, aside from a brief conversation the other night, uh, that was the first time we spoke in like almost 30 years. But, you know, some people you can do that, right? So, all right. So there's that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's tomorrow. Thursday, uh, Howie Klein. And then Friday... You know, this is such a weird time for the entertainment world. I haven't talked about it here on the show, but the news broke on Friday afternoon. There was a lot of news on Friday, um, uh, weekend dump. Um, But there's one remaining radio and record industry trade publication still standing. Now, back in the, when I moved to Los Angeles, it was 1987, and um and it was it was like the height of you know things were great then in the, in the record and radio industry. Uh, I worked I was there in a, at a good time, and there were a number of different trade publications. The biggie was called Radio and Records. Um, there was uh, there was um, uh, the Album Network for whom I worked for a while. I was the rock editor at the Album Network for a while. It was a rock radio trade magazine, and the Album Network had virtually alternative. And totally adult, which were trade magazines for these other for the alternative radio format and for the AAA adult album alternative formats, which was where I really lived. Um, uh, so the Album Network, uh, there was the Gavin Report, there was FMQB, which stood for Friday Morning Quarterback. Um, there were a number of others. These were all trade publications that basically promoted records, worked with the labels to promote records to radio. And 
um, back in 1995, Joel Denver was the CHR editor, and he left. He left Radio and Records to start his own trade online. Now, this was still the early days of the Internet, so he was very early. Um, People thought he was crazy, but the the website is allaccess.com, and you should check it out. Um, Go to allaccess.com. It's free. They want you to register, which you can, and you can look around, but look fast, because on Friday afternoon, they announced that All Access will cease publication on August 15th. That's really sad because in the, in the subsequent 28 years since he started that, it was actually after I left L.A., the album, first, I think first FM, no, first Gavin went under, then FMQB disappeared, then, um, uh, then uh, the album network, the network magazine group went under. So there's one called Hits that I don't think they still publish a hard magazine. There's like a shell of a of a website still up. So they're kind of still there. But All Access was the last big one standing and it's done. There it's ending um as of August 15th. So um if you, you know, one of the reasons I'm still on Facebook is because a lot of that community is there. All the the record people I know, I guess cuz we're all old farts now. They're on Facebook. So that's, you know, that's how I keep in touch with them. So anyway, um, I sent Joel a note saying, I'm sorry. You might recall, it was about a year ago or so, I was up for a job. And the, the guy who had done the AAA format, the adult album alternative format for All Access was retiring. And I wanted his job and I didn't get it. Um, but I was up for it. <laughs> and so... Um, um, anyway, I've known Joel since before he started All Access. And so I, I sent him a note. Uh, I said, I'm so sorry to hear the news. And I invited him to come on, not only to talk about, you know, his history and what he built with All Access, but what has happened in the last 35 years or so, basically my entire career. What has happened to radio and the record industry, because it's a shell of its former self. It's like entertainment is really struggling, and this is a, this is a really tough week. So tomorrow we deal with SAG-AFTRA, and Friday we'll deal with radio and records and all access. And, of course, Howie's here Thursday, and, you know, he, I knew from those days when he was president of Reprise. And today, though, we have Digby. So um, Digby will join us in, in just a moment. I've got to get her on the phone uh, because Digby, you know, she's like Howie. They, neither, neither one of them like doing the uh, Zoom thing. So we'll take a very quick time out. Um, we'll come back on the other side and uh, with, uh, with the one and only Digby on the Nicole Sandler Show. Don't go away. I'll be right back. I'm Nicole Sandler, and I've struggled with depression since adolescence. Now, I've seen my share of therapists over the years, though I hadn't lately. That's because it's gotten really difficult to find any good therapist locally, let alone one who you really connect with. So when I was presented with BetterHelp coming aboard as the sponsor of the show, I was thrilled. And since I'll only endorse products and services I believe in, I signed up to check them out. And BetterHelp makes it easy. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you go to betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler. That way they know I sent you. And if you decide to try it out, they'll get 10% off your first month. You fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nicole Sandler. You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash sent by Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show, too. 
Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. What's that, Leonardo? Who's Nicole Sandler's next guest? Why, it's Digby, of course. Who's Digby? Observe, Leonardo. That's dig for dig and B for B, dig B. Heather Digby Pardon is like the OG progressive blogger. She's been there since the beginning. And these days, in addition to digbysblog.net, uh, you find her writing at salon.com regularly. A few things happened um, today, although we understand that Donald Trump got the the target uh, letter on Sunday night. It's weird that we didn't hear about it till this morning. It's really weird. And it's not just that he got the letter. He spent all day Monday reposting weird junk on his, you know, truth social thing. He he was, you know, retweeting, or I guess they call it retruthing, uh, you know, this Twitter troll named Cat Turd and, you know, going on and on about stupid stuff, talking about Ron DeSantis. You'd think that if he got it on Sunday night that he, you know, he would have been a little... I don't know, preoccupied by that. I I have to suspect, I saw somebody on TV say um, that they think it was, you know, he was doing it so that he could step on DeSantis's big interview with Jake, Jake, oh, yeah. uh, Jake Tapper. Tapper. Yeah. I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. But that's just not, you know, I mean, not that Trump wouldn't want to step on the art, but he wouldn't be able to hold back. I think maybe they must have sent it to the lawyers and they didn't give it to him. Until oh, today. maybe. <laughs> but but in the thing, and you posted it on your at digbysblog.net, the whole his whole letter on his weird letterhead oh. and every and he's like, they did this on Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Can you believe it? They disturbed me on a Sunday. Well, you know, he's a very religious man, Nicole. Yes. He, you know, Sunday is a day of worship for Donald Two Trump. Corinthians. So. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The two Corinthians. He's, uh, you know, he's definitely you know, delving deeply into his uh, <laughs> deep spiritual, um, you know, day of rest. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I guess he thought that that was something that would meet him. He's done that before. You know, how dare they come and rifle through Melania's underwear drawer? You know, he's always talking about his, his house, which also, by the way, let's never forget. Is a hotel. Is a it's a yeah. It's a beach club that's oh. open to the public as long as they pay enough money to well, get in there. Right, but no, so, it's open you know. to the very wealthy public uh, right. as long as you pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for a membership. Yeah, then it's open to right. you. His home is wide open for, for any anybody who's got oh, the cash. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh yeah, yeah. So that happened. Um, at the same time, now you've been right. Look, this is like the worst kept secret. If it was a secret, that if Donald Trump were to somehow get back in the White House, you can say goodbye to democracy, that he will, uh, that his goal is to have an authoritarian government. He wants to be a dictator. And as I said earlier, he's got the dick part down, but the (laughs) tater part, you know, it's, I guess it's a tater dick. So, you know, um, (laughs) there's that. But um, no, and, and so the New York Times this weekend publishes a big piece saying it's not only Trump, this is the the plan. It's the 2025 project for the Republican Party. And it's basically to do away with our our system of checks and balances, to do away with the three um, uh, uh, three branches of government, that it would all be the unitary executive, which we first heard about, under, which I first heard about under W. Um, but this takes that to a whole new level. Right. This is what they want to do is make it a, a dictatorship, not a, not a, a democracy. Well, yeah. I mean, when you combine the unitary executive theory, which has been out there for a long time, it's a far, you know, it was kind of a far-right fringe legal theory that grew in, um, you know, in, in salience over the years to the point where I think it was more Dick Cheney. That, I mean, W. didn't know from yeah, unitary executive. Right, right. I mean, well, right. He was the, you know, right. I mean, it was Dick Cheney. It was a dick. And, Again, you know, the dicks. The dicks are taking yeah, over. They're all over the place. Let's go back to Dick Nixon if we're going to do. Oh, um, but Please, in any case, no. see, you know, this was a theory that's been out there for for quite some time, and it's been and and these these legal theories like this, you know, it's just like that um, the one that the Supreme Court actually, thank God, 
um, knocked down recently, which was about the uh, you know the independent legislature theory, the state where you know, they're always right. trying to you know find some way to circumvent the normal democratic processes so that they can you know have an edge in whatever it is that they're doing. In this case, this unitary executive, which was held by Bill Barr, you know, I mean, this is not this isn't a fringe theory anymore. No. I mean, there are people, there are a lot of people in the Republican legal. Uh, community that believe in this thing. And that was always just that, you know, hey, you know, we need to stop, we need to give the president the power to do what needs to be done. And he's being hamstrung by all these, you know, the, and it's mostly a reaction against the the reforms that went into place after after Watergate, right. which were done for the specific purpose of kind of hamstringing the, the presidential powers a little bit, because they had, you know, we got an insight during, during Watergate to just how much these things could be abused. So they've been wanting to roll this back for years. But this new thing that was reported in the New York Times, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. and which, by the way, if I may you know, toot my own horn a little bit. I've been writing about for months because you could see this whole thing that they're talking about is not hidden in any way. This wasn't a big scoop that just, you know, they dug it up or got access to some secret recordings or something. This is on Donald Trump's website. And, you know, nobody goes there except, you know, Trumpers, but people should go there. There are a series of videos on Donald Trump's website spelling out his policy agenda. Now, I recognize it seems like he doesn't have one. Right. And in reality, he personally does not have one because he just wings everything, right? It's all just about what he can, what he's going to say. I mean, he doesn't care about anything but himself. And this campaign is basically just an, an act of, of revenge, and he wants a rematch with Joe Biden so that he can prove he isn't the loser he knows in his heart that he is. But in the meantime, he's got a bunch of people around him that are get, handing him these pieces of paper and saying, hey, go make a video about our policy on immigration or our policy on, you know, the, the reorganization of the federal government or transgender, you know, national transgender laws or whatever it is. And if you go and see, watch these videos, which come up, they come up on Truth Social, too, but you can see them all in one place. I urge people to do it, but, you know, have some, you know, stiff drinks ready because you're going to need them because you won't believe what it is he's saying. So in any case, I've been writing about this for a while because I, you know, went to his website and saw this and I'm going, oh, my God, you know, where is this coming from? And, you know, between that and the fact that, you know, we know that these people like the Heritage Foundation, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) okay. Give me a second. No problem. So Digby is with us, and and this happens, and it's live radio. And so, you know, um, I think she swallowed and it went down the wrong tube or something because, you know, I I have that happening. Anyway, read Digby. Digby's blog.net. Is where is is where Digby's hullabaloo lives these days, and Spaco, who's in our chat room almost every day, uh, writes there. Um, so, Sorry about that. And no worries. Are you okay? Yeah, that's I'm fun. Just okay. something went down the wrong yep, way. That's what I figured. Hate Shit it up. when that happens. I mean, what can I say? It's embarrassing. And Shit happens. Pardon me to Live all of you guys. Yep. <clears throat> in any case, this just to get back to the um, the original topic. If anybody's still there, um, you know this this thing has been it's not just uh, as you pointed out in your intro this isn't just about um trump and his agenda this is the republican agenda now and if you you know you're following ron DeSantis in great detail <sighs> that guy's saying the same stuff oh about yeah how they're going to reorganize the federal government they're going to fire everybody he wants to send the fbi to i don't know boise idaho or something yeah, yeah, well, you know, he also, Ron DeSantis also, and, and I'm sure you covered this then, but it hasn't gotten a lot of press lately. Um, Ron DeSantis wanted to form his own personal army that would report only to him, the Florida State Guard. Um, it was under the guise of a, a like a disaster relief force. But what he brought in, he, he brought in veterans. And um, and like, if you were a veteran, you can come and be in my personal police force. Well, apparently... A lot of these guys are leaving. They're quitting because they say that that. (laughs) instead of being trained um, here, let me I'll read to you exactly what it says. Volunteers have been trained for military combat, including the use of weapons. Khaki polo shirts and pants were replaced by camouflage uniforms and recruits were barked at by boot camp instructors at the joint training base who woke them before dawn and imposed lights out by 10 p.m. These people are leaving saying that. This is a militarized thing, not a civilian 
force helping people and they're quitting um, because they're, they're being trained to be Ron DeSantis's personal police force. That's right. I mean, they thought they were joining up to do, it was like an emergency, you know, like for hurricanes. Right. Some kind of, you know, something like that, that they would go in with, like the National Guard, only yep. it would be a separate force. And, of course, <laughs> they got them in khaki uniforms, running around doing obstacle courses. And yeah. They're, they're citing you know? militia-style training as exactly. they quit. So, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, this is the, this is the mentality. And I think that we can see from, from Trump, I mean, we always knew this about him, that he's a, an authoritarian at heart. Yep. He loves dictators. He's made that clear, how much he loves dictators around the world and respects them. And thinks, what, what did he say the other day? It was something really ridiculous. Like, oh, they're at the top of their game. Oh, God. You know, Putin's at the top of his game. She's at the top of his game. You know, Kim Jong-un's at the top of his game. And he's going on and on in one of these interviews. And I'm going... What are you talking about? And of course, he's you know com- comparing them apparently with with Joe Biden, which you know, of course, you know that's the ongoing you know claim that Joe Biden is not at the top of his game, right? Nonsense. But in any case, <clears throat> so this is this is what you know. This is his mentality has been from the beginning that he really doesn't. I, he doesn't believe in democracy, but he doesn't even really understand it. You know, I mean, he yeah. doesn't, this is not, he sees everything from through the prism of his own experience and his own needs. Sure. And, and democracy is irrelevant to him. He's a rich kid, you know, believes he should be running everything and he shouldn't have to answer to anyone. And so he's never really understood what the, what the you know, the underlying concept of democracy is. And having, you know, I think one of the big things in the New York Times story that did come through, and I'm really glad to see it, it's the idea that he, you know, yes, it's the Republican Party that's doing this. They've now, they have now grasped through his example just how fragile our system is. If, you know, he's got, when you have a cult of personality, a demagogue like Donald Trump, it doesn't really matter if he knows what he's doing or he understands what, you know, the stakes are because you have these people around whether it's in the party and, you know, and yes, they all seem like clowns, but you put this together and you have people who are capable now after having seen what is possible with him. I mean, he came close to overturning an election, know. you know, or at the very least throwing us into an unprecedented constitutional crisis. Whether he could have actually accomplished it, we don't know. It was, you know, Mike Pence walked away, but he certainly was serious about trying. And they now see the fragility of our system based upon the idea that people in power respected our democracy, respected the constitutional concepts that the country's been living under for the mm-hmm. past couple hundred years, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I think we took for granted that people in power would, you know, respect those things. That Trump proved that, that that's not true, and if they don't respect those things, that it, it leaves open a wide range of possibility for this kind of authoritarianism to come in very easily. Yeah. I mean, it's really not that hard. It kind of depends. I mean, look at the election cases after January, um, you know, that w- led up to January 6th. Yes. Those right. were judges who, you know— they could have gone the other way. Yes. And there wouldn't be much we could do about it, right? And, I mean, and look, we're waiting to hear. The idea that, that we respect the judicial system and when they say something that we do it. And it did work that way, right? I mean, yep. we did, they did the right thing and we sort of all carried on and went, well, okay, he, he followed the process. He did what he was going to do. Well, what if they hadn't? I mean, what if there's somebody like this, you know, this guy down in Texas that, that – uh, you know, overturned the the FDA. Yep. You know, who said the right. FDA didn't have a right to uh, to uh, regulate the the abortion right. bill? Right. And this guy I mean, with no know, scientific or medical training thought it was up to him to say, "Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna overrule a 40 year old right. ruling from the FDA because I am not an expert, but fuck it, I have the authority to do so. I can do it. I right. I can do this thing. Right. I mean, they real there's power there that is very difficult. I mean, in this case, you know, I mean, these things are going up to the Supreme Court. And I say that, and then I almost choke again. Yes. Because I realized that, you know, this is the Supreme Court that overturned, uh, you know, a constitutional right that it held for 50 years. Yep. And decided just because they had the power suddenly to do it, and everyone admitted it, went, oh, look, they've now got enough votes on the Supreme Court to do this thing they wanted to do. That's right. And, and the idea of precedent or stare decisis or, you know, that, that whole thing, it just it was irrelevant. Yeah. And so that's just raw power, right? I mean, that's right. what that, that adds up to. Raw power, they had it, and we know how they got it, which was illegitimately. Yep. Um, 
And uh, so, you know, you can see all these cracks in the system, and it's it's kind of terrifying because, you know, it'd be one thing if it was revealed and we went, okay, now we know, we've seen it, we saw what he did. We this can is, stop we it, it's over. This. Right, but it's not over. And it's that's not the over, thing that's and, so it's not, and it's close. I mean, look at the polling. I mean, it's not like, like you know, Donald Trump has been, you know, completely, you know, disregarded that he has now been cast aside as, no. as, as a criminal. He's they so far ahead of everybody. He's he is he will be the nominee. And now, you know, and now it's one of his appointees, this Judge Aileen Cannon, who they there was a hearing today. Trump's lawyers want to want her to say, all right, we're, we're going to delay this trial on the documents until after the election. Um, That's right. And she's not she hasn't ruled yet. Um they they had the the court date today, but anything can happen. Look, she bent over backwards to do his bidding, and then was roundly, you know, smacked down by a very conservative district court. So we have to hope that that scared her a little bit, and she's you know not going to do that again. But I have no faith that she wouldn't do that again. None. I, and by the way, you know, from what I understand from the hearing today. She, there were two things. One was that she didn't really accept it. Well, she seemed to bat back the, you know, one of Trump's arguments, which was that, geez, I can't even remember what it was, but it was something very minor. Mm-hmm. But she did express uh, openness to the idea that this, it, that there's way too much discovery, there's way too much information, that the defense is really, they need a lot more time. Oh, and God. basically, she, her job will be, in my view, and I, I thought this from the very beginning. To delay this until yep. after the election. Yep. And, you know, and it, look, the election isn't that far away. It's 16 months. So yep. that's not that far for a complicated national security case right. to go, you know, beyond that. And, you know, what, they're going to come up against that Department of Justice rule, too, right. which says we can't, you know, we're not allowed to do anything in the, I don't know, what is it? It was like it, 60 it or 90 like days or something. Now yeah. it's like six months or something yeah. that you can't do yeah. anything. So that, you know, I have always thought that this, that in her hands, her job won't be to, you know, overtly support Trump. All she has to do is enable them to delay. And from what we heard today, it does sound like she is going to be more than willing to do that, Ugh. which will take them right. And people are saying on TV, they're going, oh, well, then, then the trial will happen next summer. I'm going, oh, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? The summer before right. the right. election? In the middle right. of the election, maybe during the Republican convention, they can have that, in, you know, outside the, the courthouse. You yeah, know, but you know what, happen. Digby? Here's the thing. It's, but it, it's okay if you're a Republican because, oh, yeah. you know, it, you're not supposed to, you know, the re- reasoning when a Democrat was in the White House was, well, you can't have a, a Supreme Court justice nominated during a presidential election near the people have to have the choice. But when Trump's in office, it's we can do it, you know, within within a week and a half. Uh, you know, it's the, the hypocrisy is stunning. And the Democrats, well, I you know, sorry, but are toothless. They they don't do anything about this shit. Well, at this point, you know, I think we're we're now in a situation where we're, where it's the legal system. That is in charge of this. And I don't honestly know how that's going to go. I, I don't know. I mean, the one thing about, I mean, I am surprised, I have to say, because as much as I sort of anticipated that this Mar-a-Lago documents case would, would, would not happen before the election, because of all, because of the national security part, right, where they've got to get all these documents and they've got to get clearances and it's all, you know, they've got to go through whatever this SEPA process is, you know, there's all these things about that case that, end up being complicated because of the national security aspects of it. It really plays into Trump's hands in that respect. The January 6th case is completely different. That is not about anything like that. This stuff is all on the public record. I mean, we had the January 6th, you know, committee and all that stuff is out there. Mm -hmm. There's all this stuff that, you know, a lot of that stuff is in the public domain. We already know all of these things and none of it is national security related. So the fact that he came down with that case I have a feeling that that case is going to go before the documents case because that one, you've already had, what, hundreds and hundreds of cases tried in Washington on around January 6th. Mm-hmm. A lot of this follows, you know, that same kind of concept. And, you know, sure, there's going to be appeals and there'll be this, that, and the other that will, that will delay to a certain extent. But I won't be surprised if that's the case that goes before the election. I hope it does because that is the case that is the most important thing for the American people to see play out in a legal forum because 
That was a president of the United States attempting to overthrow the government. Yes, well, and, you know, that it, is nothing is more. I mean, maybe the, I, you know, I don't doubt that his cult will vote for him anyway yeah. with enthusiasm and say, "I wish he'd overthrow the government again." You know, I mean, they'll do that. But I have to think that, that that's the test for our democracy. If you have a president that goes on trial for trying to overthrow the government and you put him and he has is elected again legitimately, then I think our country is in, you know, I'm not sure that it's really salvageable. Yeah, the technical term, means, you know, technical term yeah. is fucked. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. fucked. Yeah. We're, we are fucked. <laughs> um, and, and so, but there's also Fannie Willis. Another case show, and this one is at the state level, so this is different because even if he were to somehow get reelected, um, he he can't pardon him. He can't wriggle out of that because the president has no powers over a state conviction, only federal cases. That's right. That's right. He can pardon himself if he were to win election under indictment or under conviction. I mean, presumably. Presumably. We don't have any laws on right. the books. Against we don't have any precedent. This has never happened before. Right. Um, so presumably he could pardon himself. Or many people have just said that if the case were not already decided, if he hadn't been convicted in a court of law, that he could just withdraw the indictment. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bill Barr did that for Roger Stone and right. Mike Flynn and some right. other people last time. So, right. you know, they can do that. And the thing um, is, in this new world order that he's pushing, the DOJ yeah. would not be independent anymore. It That's would right. be under the president who's and he'd get his wish. The attorney general yeah. would be his attorney general and he would simply say, drop the case. And he'd they get would. Roy Cohn, That's, he'd get his Roy Cohn. He'd get his Roy Cohn. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that that absolutely could happen. And then but you do have the state case and you've got a case up in New York, too, uh-huh. um, uh, the Allen Bragg case. That's and right. now today, and this doesn't directly affect Donald Trump, but it's another January 6th case. The Michigan attorney general just filed charges against all those fake electors. Yeah, there's, there's like 16, 16 or 17 of them. Yeah. And those are all those are all local GOP officials yep. Yep. who basically signed, you know, fake documents and sent them into the National Archives and tried to get them in the hands of Mike Pence. And some of them tried to sneak in the, the state capitol that day so that they could say that it had been signed in the state capitol. I mean, it's clearly criminal. And I think it's also effect, this January 6th case is it, also a fake electors case, as is Fonnie Willis's case. These fake electors, this whole concept, that was the that was the attempted overthrow That's right. right there. That's right. You know, they were going to fake documents and get the – if the vice president had gone along with it. I mean, think about that. If Mike Pence had just done this thing, that, that – who knows? Right. I mean, maybe but that would have worked. Do I you mean, know I, how, don't, I don't know. Do you know but, how you Mike know, Pence – certainly could have. Do you know how Mike Pence is being rewarded for yeah, not doing I this? Love, By not yeah. making it into the first debate. Apparently, yep. he says that his polling numbers, that he's there, but he hasn't gotten enough single donations from small donors. So he did not make the cut, which That's is right. mind-blowing. Mike, Mike Pence is a man without a constituency. <laughs> I cannot imagine why he thought that he could run for president. I, know. I mean, the Trumpers hate him, obviously. They set up a gallows. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Exactly. And he thinks I mean, these people are going to vote for You don't need more him? evidence than, than that. They wanted to hang him. And the Democrats hate him because he licked Trump's boots for four well, years because he is so who he eagerly is. Right. and enthusiastically that he's, he kind of turns their stomach just to even look at him. I mean, he has no one. There's no one in the country who looks at Mike Pence and goes, you know, there's there's a good guy because he isn't a good guy. <laughs> no, he's and he not. still can't say it. I know. You know, he was with Tucker Carlson over the weekend. I mean, that whole thing was another, you know, that and the Turning Point Conference. These Republicans are really <sighs> running wild right now. Horrible. And the Tucker Carlson thing, he interviewed Mike Pence and basically just just raked him over the coals and rubbed his face in it. And Pence sat there, as he does, with a big smile on his face, just kind of let it happen. You know, watching some per- a person debase themselves this yeah. way is one of the ugliest, creepiest things, you know, you can see. No one can expect to have – no one can respect this guy. No. I mean, I can't even respect him for what he did on January 6th. No. And I'd like to. But to me, why was he asking Dan Quayle – whether or not it was okay right. if he did it. Anybody with any integrity and the intelligence to be a vice president would have known from the beginning, the yeah. minute anybody mentioned it, that it was completely out of the question. He shouldn't have had to, in, you know, ask anybody for advice or have any kind of qualms or sit and go, oh, gee, I don't know what to do. I mean, yeah, he ended up doing the right thing in the end, but that doesn't say much. 
<laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, finally, you know, he finally came to the conclusion that any any normal person would have come to the minute the subject was broached. So right. I can't have any respect for him in, in any of that. No, none at all. None at all. And, you know, the other part that is that that really freaks me out when I settle down to think about it is Okay, you got all these politicians, all these Republican politicians going along with this farce and and going along with the idea of the unitary executive and dictatorship, basically doing away with democracy. But the people are that are are we really that stupid? I mean, I guess we should have listened closer when Donald Trump said, I love the poorly educated because he really (laughs) does, because the dumber the electorate, the easier it is for someone like Trump to take power. Um, There's this great ad. This ad that we that that my, David uh, sent to me. Uh, now you're not watching video, so you won't see it. But I want to play this. Uh, I'll explain to you what it is. You see a couple in bed, and they're. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> oh, you've seen it. Okay, so they're going for it. For for those who are just listening to the audio stream, they're in bed having sex. The guy reaches uh, to the, the bedside table for the condom, and then you'll hear what happens here. It's stunning, and it's perfect ad. Here we go. You can't use Oh, wait that. a minute. I got to back it. I, got, uh, I just I just gave away. A, you know, I'm always giving away the punchline. Here we go. Right. Do you have a condom? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You can't use those. Uh, what are you talking about? Who are you? I'm your Republican congressman. Okay, there's now that we're in charge. And it's not there's something okay, there's something funky going decision. on with my audio. Not yours. I will play you it. Are I, never I mind. I will play it uh, another time Digby is still there. My my there's it's the gremlins. The gremlins get me every time. For some reason it's <laughs> that computer. The audio is not is it's not It's one playing. of those days. It's one, it's I have those days every day. Anyway, the guy's like, you can't use that. Uh, the condom. He grabs it out of the, the guy in bed's hand. And he's and they're like, well, um, he said, I won the last election. I'm not going anywhere. It is real. I will post it on the blog along with today's show. And I'll play well, it's it. Really, it it's really, but it really does speak to something. I think that this is really a kind of a primal concern, right? This whole thing is about, I think it's about the Ohio uh, initiative, right? That's the, it's the, the, uh, the ballot, the, um, what do you call it? The, the, what's the word for it? It's completely gone out of my head. They have an election coming up and it's sort of been rigged to come up in an off year in a very weird time. What they're trying to do is, is take a majority vote on this, on this, um, on, on this ballot and turn it and say, and make people vote for the idea that future votes like this will require a um, will require a 60 vote majority. Oh, and what God. they're trying to do, the the point of all that is that they're, they they know there's going to be some abortion votes coming up for a constitutional amendment in the state of Ohio uh-huh. to, you know, I don't know whether it's going to be a 6 week abortion ban or whatever. And what they're trying to do is make it so that the pro choice uh faction will have to get many many more votes than they would have otherwise. So, I mean, we're sitting here looking at, you listen to Trump and the rest of them go on and on and on about how, you know, the votes are rigged and the elections are rigged and the system is rigged and the deep state is out to get them. And you see them doing things like this. And so this ad is about these people are trying to come into your bedroom and tell you what you're allowed to do while you're in bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically what it is. And it's very effective because it's this creepy looking old white guy you know, in a, suit, in a suit, sitting in the chair next day, they look up, you know, they hear this voice, they look up and there he is sitting there watching them. That's right. And, you know, and the idea is keep them, you know, keep them out of your bedroom. And that's what, you know, that's essentially what we're getting at here across the country in all this stuff from abortion to transgender uh, issues where they're telling parents they're not allowed to give their kids, you know, certain medical care they don't approve it's of. It's astounding. It's just, it's it just sickening. Oh, and then on top of that, sorry, we're sure, and I just looked over at the chat room. There's so many different things we can talk about. And Terry says, speak about no no labels and how dangerous they oh, are God. for 2024. So Joe Manchin and John Huntsman, it's like, why? What are they trying to do? Nobody likes Joe Manchin. Let's just say that. But but if they were to do this third party thing with Joe Manchin and John Huntsman, the people who think Joe, uh, Joe Biden's too old, who don't say that about Donald Trump, who's only three years less old, um, you know, just enough people might go that way and we wind up with Donald Trump again. Why are they doing well, this? 
Well, if it's the old business, Joe Manchin's like 76. So I it's know. not like we've got a, you know, it's not a new generation coming along there. Look, I wrote about this the other day. I actually wrote about this no label thing months ago yep. and sort of have been writing about it numerous times on my salon column. Um, it, you know, watching this whole thing grow to the point where it is now, and they just had a big meeting with Manchin and Huntsman yep, and yeah, all that. Yesterday. Let me just give you two words that, that explain why, what is behind this. Joe Lieberman. And you and anybody who's listening here who's been around for a while remembers good old Joe Lieberman. And he is the guy that's really pushing this. He's behind it. I mean, it's not just him. It's also this woman, Nancy, what's her name, Nancy Jacobson. Who is Mark Mark Penn's wife. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's a lot of big money, um, you know, from Republican big money involved in this. But Lieberman is, you know, he, uh, he just did a big interview the other day, and I wrote about it. He's out there doing exactly what he's been doing for the last 20 years, which is he's just like Donald Trump. He lives for revenge. And basically, he wants vengeance again. For the fact that he lost that Democratic primary in 2004, was it 2004 or 2006? I think it was 2004. Um, no, it was 2006. And he lost that primary and had to run as an independent, which turned him into an independent, yep. right? Yep. And uh, he just hates the left. And yep. his reason for doing this is to punish the left. That's all he can say. Yeah, well, I think you know, is, Joe Biden needs to go to the center. I'm going, what Joe, do you mean by that, Joe? Yeah, there could he didn't be have more enough center. bipartisan bills? Right, right. Everything about Joe Biden is he is the centrist candidate that He's Lieberman wanted. Democratic candidate. Yes. I'm sorry if that's a little too liberal for Joe for Joe Lieberman. Yep. But, you know, he Biden passed two major Big, big, yep. big bills on a yep. bipartisan basis in a Congress that was divided by one and two votes. Yeah. This is amazing that he managed to do that. And he got a gun bill passed. He got all kinds of stuff. Now, you know, I mean, you can love Joe or hate him or take him or leave him or whatever. But that criticism from Joe Lieberman is absolute BS. Yep. And and what it says is, is that he's just trying to own the libs. He and Trump should run together. They'd be perfect. They're exactly the yep. same. Absolutely. I, I agree 100 um, uh, percent. Digby, we're getting close to the end of the hour. And I want to, you know, talk about burying the lead. Joe Biden has done a lot of good and the, he still doesn't look. I, I appreciate he doesn't have the uh, the hubris that the former guy has. He doesn't go around patting himself on the back. But there are times when he should. But when he tries it, he's beat, beaten down for it. I know. But uh, so it's he, really it's really unfair, isn't it? it? I mean, I think that's really unfair. He's not allowed to. He's not allowed to. I mean, Trump brags as easily as he about breathes. Everything you know, he takes it, credit yeah, for um, everything good and blames other people for everything right. bad. So and Biden just he gets chided by the press for being oh you know he's at Bidenomics how right silly, you know? exactly really? you know what fuck you he can take credit <laughs> for that so but but. Why did he sign this bill for giving uh, billions of dollars in student loan debt on Friday afternoon? So it died. Nobody heard about it. Um, I want to share. I got an email from a listener today. Nancy sent this. And she she said, um, maybe you heard that Biden just forgave billions in student debt. A guy called into Tom Hartman's show this morning and said that although he took out student loans to become a lawyer, he was a public defender and they don't make much money. He was originally required to make $1,600 a month payments on a $40,000 annual salary. He ended up making payments on the principal, and the $70,000 debt doubled over 25 years. He couldn't take out loans to buy a car or a house. He started crying when he told Tom that he got an email from the Department of Education saying that his loan had been forgiven. We all need a good story these days. Joe is a good man. You know, uh, but... I, and again, I've, I've pulled back from the news just because it's too depressing and I can't <laughs> listen and pay attention like I used to. But I've heard, no, I heard nothing about this. I no. saw the headline I mean, that I he did it. I read a little it. bit about it, but it was like, you know, it certainly wasn't a big announcement. Right. And even then, you know, like, Nicole, it's not really just about doing, you know, Joe getting up and giving a speech or having a ceremony in the White House. Well, I mean, those things are good, but it's... There, there's something about, you know, there, there needs to be more, uh, more aggressive, uh, you know, aggression towards the media for that. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Dig me. Did I lose you? Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, no worries. Uh, maybe somebody <laughs> called you and it, it was a, it was a something. Um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 look, the economic news has been pretty damned good yeah. in the last couple of months. Things have really improved and there's a lot of good news about that. I mean, I'm not going to say it's morning in America, but there's some <laughs> shards of light on the yeah. horizon over here. And and it, it you know, certainly if Joe Biden 
presidents get credit for this, whether they did it or not, That's right? right. You, you take the blame if it goes wrong, and you get credit for it if it goes right. right. And yet the media, it continues, they just constantly, oh, look, it's the lowest unemployment uh, rate since, you know, you know 1965 or right. something. But, but know, don't, there's always don't, a but. Don't get don't too get, excited. The price right. of eggs is still really high. Against you know. all the you know all the odds and and future you know worries, you know they always have to qualify it before saying something good. Meanwhile, Donald Trump would say, "I have the best. I created the best economy in the history of the country," which was a hundred percent bullshit. And oh, well, and yet they you, they didn't get the the media didn't treat him like this. It, it, no, it, it's just it's very. I mean, I you know it's. Okay, something weird is going Which is just allow him to brag incessantly about yep. the alleged great, you know, it's all these people, oh, I just love Trump's policies. I wish you wouldn't tweet so much. What policies? Right. What are the great policies that Donald Trump had? I don't know what they are. And it drives me nuts that the, that the, uh, that the media hasn't prosecuted that more. You know, so what, what exactly are we talking about, about your great economy, whatever? Because when you look at the numbers, it wasn't. it's just not true. No. You know, it, I mean, it was it, he didn't have a bad economy, it, but it was kind of the the end of the line of the long, long, slow recovery from 2008. And he exactly. didn't do anything. If anything, he did bad things with his stupid tariff war, um, you know, and made things, you know, if he hadn't uh, uh, bailed out his farmers in, in the Midwest from his Chinese tariffs, that we would have had some very serious problems. So this idea that somehow he had this great, you know, these great accomplishments and everything, it drives me nuts. Meanwhile, Biden, under the most difficult circumstances imaginable, he took office when we were losing hundreds of thousands of people a month due to COVID. I mean, people were dropping dead, you know, by the thousands in this country. It was a terrible situation. And he came in with a very closely divided Congress in both houses and managed to pull us out of that pretty damn painlessly when all that is considered. And this recovery that the United States is having right now is far better than any other economy in the, in the world. Yes. It, we're doing way, way yes. better than any of the European the inflation, countries anywhere inflation, in Southeast Asia. That inflation is down to 3% is massive. And yet it's like, well, there's still probably going to be a recession, <laughs> even though everyone's saying, you know, we're, it looks like we've escaped a recession. And the Fed is still going to raise interest rates. It's like they are bound and determined to tank this economy and send us into a recession. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, giving us very, very little room to maneuver. I mean, it's just, it's astonishing to me. And, you know, I mean, I have to give Biden credit. I mean, I was never a fan of his. We've talked about exactly. this a million times. Me too. But... Because we were not big Biden supporters. You know? I mean, no. this wasn't where we came in that election. That's right. But I have been very, very happily surprised. You and me how, both. Not just what he's done, but just kind of how smoothly he's managed to get it done. And I think at some point or another, the Democrats, and I mean all of them, I was happy to see Ro Khanna come out the other day and give a really stirring uh, sort of supportive good. comment about about Biden's accomplishments because it's important that the that the Democrats come together on this and they and they are you know I'm not going to the Democrats have been great mm-hmm. in trying to get us through this awful period and they continue to be great in this respect you know in that they have hung together and not succumbed to the kind of infighting that we're seeing on the Republican side but they're not being aggressive enough with going out there no. and just absolutely you know pushing as hard as they can um, to try and break through this media wall that exists there on, try- on trying to find some false equivalency between the Democrats and the Republicans, which is ridiculous, and also trying to downplay whatever accomplishments the Democrats have, yeah, have made. I hear you. Uh, you know, Digby, we could keep going because it's been a nonstop uh, kind of day. Um, uh, it's always my pleasure to have you here. I always appreciate your time. I'm sorry for, for uh, canceling on you last minute on Friday. But oh, no problem. Gremlins. No problem. That. Thanks for having me. And oh. my apologies again for having no oh, choking God. fit. Oh, God. No, we're, I'm sorry about the phones and all. You know, <laughs> shit happens. Um, by the way, did you hear who's coming on this show tomorrow? So I did. We're gonna, Good we're, for you. Uh, you're, having, you're, having, you're having one of the... Uh, the all-time Hollywood royalty, oh my you God. know, Nepo baby song. Yes. <laughs> Sean Astin, Francis Fisher, wow, and David Jolliffe, who's an old friend. Did you, did you watch Room 222 when you were a kid? I did. I remember David Who Jolliffe. didn't, right? And, and Francis Fisher. I mean, Francis she's, Fisher. You know, she's Titanic's mom, right? I, I mean, know, the- right? 
And yes, Lucky you. I know. So um, we're going to we're going to just tomorrow. It's going to be all about the strike. Uh, and, and so they can explain because so many people are like, all oh, these big actors, what are they doing? Well, the majority of people who are Screen Actors Guild members don't even right. make enough to qualify for health insurance each year. So exactly. And you've got these people, you know, all these people crying. Like they're going, oh, well, we're uh, in a terrible crisis in the entertainment industry. We just don't know what to do and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, you know what you guys could do? Yep. How about taking a huge pay cut exactly. for one? Just why don't you do that? Exactly. And then, then maybe we can talk. So that's what yeah, we'll deal with it. tomorrow. So uh, it should be well, a fun good. show. Thank you. To it. Thank you so much, Digby. We'll, we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Uh, the great Digby. Find her, of course, at digbysblog.net and salon.com all right damn gremlins all right i gotta figure out what's going on it's like every damn day all right anyway i got a got a busy day tomorrow and i've got a ketamine thing in the morning so it should be really fun so i you know uh karina says don't forget to ask about clint eastwood's silent chair i have a feeling francis fisher is not going to want to talk about her marriage to clint eastwood I don't think I should go there, but we'll, we'll play it by ear. We'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Until tomorrow.